I must have said the sinner's prayer maybe a thousand times at multiple rapture movies and, and things like that. You know, all the all the rapture movies we would show and stuff. I would get terribly afraid that I missed the rapture. I mean, it was something that like, growing up, preteen years, I was thinking, dude, I missed the rapture. You know, so it was quiet in the house. I thought, man, I missed the rapture. You know, and so I remember just how I grew up, dude. And that's a, you know, that's not a terrible thing at all. I think it's hilarious now that I'm older, uh, and I have some, <laughs> I have some some empathy for for younger kids that are terrified of of it for sure. Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Tuesday, where you're going to hear a powerful testimony of God's grace revealed in human lives. Each Tuesday, you'll hear Pastor Adam interviewing pastors from around the world to share the mighty miracles that God has done in their lives to give you hope for yours. We share the stories of the men behind the messages you hear every other day on this podcast. Keep in mind that the free version only includes a portion of the whole testimony interview. To listen to the full version, use the links in the show notes to subscribe via Apple Podcasts or Supercast.tech. Every dollar goes to supporting world evangelism. Enjoy today's Testimony Tuesday. To the VBPH Sermon Podcast, this is Pastor Adam with you again, and we are here with another special guest for this Testimony Tuesday episode. It's been a wild ride, and we appreciate all of you joining us. We'd like to welcome in to the show Pastor Adam Parker, pastoring in Kyle, Texas. Welcome, sir. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. Thanks for for having me, man. Hey, we got there. It is yes, and. We even very have nice. uh, sound effects working this time. So very, how about that? Very nice. This is, this is very well produced. Like <laughs> we, want to wel- we want to welcome you, and we want to say thank you to, once again, evangelist Jeremiah Wacker for the introduction and for uh, helping uh, bring you on the show. So uh, how, how, yeah, long have you been a, yeah. how long have you been a listener? Um, for two days. Wow. Two days, man, and I'm a subscriber already. <laughs> hey, yeah. that's great. Yeah, well, we appreciate yeah, that. Uh, so you're the newest subscriber, I guess. So thank I, you for that. I am, man. I am, man. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm moving right along, man. Well, we, so, yeah. we hope you yeah, get it's, it's get good. some value out of it. Yeah, man. You guys are doing some good stuff from what I've heard already and uh, from what I hear from uh, from from uh, Jeremiah and all that stuff. So, yeah, it sounds like uh, you guys are getting some steam. And so I'm happy to, happy to help and happy to be a part of it for sure. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you coming on and making some time for us. So uh, for those who don't know you, including myself, I, this is the first time we've talked. Uh, why don't you give yourself a little introduction and maybe conference style. Give us the three-minute version of uh, you and your wife and where you're serving. Yeah, uh, my name is Adam Parker. My wife and I, uh, we uh, pastor in Kyle, Texas. We got, uh, we're taking, we took over the church in Kyle, uh, October of last year. So we've only been there for three months. Uh, it's an excellent, excellent congregation there that Gabe, Gabriel and, uh, Diana Martinez, uh, uh left us. They, they're going to Da Nang, Vietnam. And so, uh, the church is probably, I want to say about eight years old. And uh, so they have some a, a solid crew there and a solid uh, solid group of, of uh, believers there. So uh, yeah, they're a good church, man. They love they love God's word. And uh, so my wife and I, Becca, and we have uh, two kids, Elijah, who is uh, 
15 and my daughter who is going to be 13 beth and so uh yeah man we're 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 excited to be be back back in the saddle again and uh, uh just doing doing what what we do as a fellowship for sure and so uh anything else Oh, well, yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty. Oh, uh, this is, is there? Th- this is only we the have, beginning. We still have a long time to go, don't we? Okay, I thought it was almost over. <laughs> and that's a wrap. All right. And thank right. you for listening. Nice we'll see you next you, time. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so taking over, you're doing the takeover thing, which is uh, which is always, uh, there's things that are great about it, and there's also some things that are challenging about it. And uh, so... Uh, but we have seen that God really weaves his will through, um, you know, what God is doing. So you have a pastor going off to Vietnam to be a missionary. And uh, so, yeah, that takes that's that's not always easy to navigate for you to take over in his footsteps. But uh, that's it's a, it's a worthy cause. So how, how's it going yeah. so far? It is going very, very well. Uh, we've only, again, we've only been there for three, three months, but they're a really good congregation, man. They, they really accepted us with open arms for sure. They've had some really good pastors in the past, um, and uh, and I'm actually, we're our mother church is only fifteen minutes away from them, maybe twenty minutes away, and so I've preached a lot of revivals uh, through the years since they've been open for the many different pastors, and so they're they they know me um, well. I mean, not like you know, like they would their own pastor, but I, I've, uh, they know of me and I've, I've preached there uh, numerous times. They see me in our outreaches and stuff. And so I'm sure that was, that was better for them. Uh, it was better for them just, you know, to have somebody taken over. They know, they know the guy and, you know, we're, we're familiar with each other and it just smooths things over uh, a lot easier. So, yeah, but it's, it's been going really well. We, we went straight into a revival with uh, Richie Valero. And we saw six visitors from that revival, um, and uh, I think uh, all six got saved. Uh, I think three of them are still coming, um, only on Sundays for right now. But they, we've seen some fruit that 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 stuff, and so it's really nice to be able to see fresh fruit when you first get somewhere. You're like, okay, we're moving in the right direction. Um, but uh, that, and then of course we had a lot of holidays, so there was a lot of fellowshipping in, during Thanksgiving. And uh, and then of uh, Christmas, of course, and then we did the New Year's thing. So we've been actually really busy with you know just the normal things that a church is involved with outreach and regular services, revival, and uh, and then of course the holidays. So it was uh, it's interesting to take over during that time in October because our San Antonio conference is in in October, um, and so then you go straight into Thanksgiving, go straight into Christmas, and then New Year's, and then you know, and so we're now we're 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 in twenty twenty three. And uh, the church is moving right along, man. We're we're excited to see, uh, pray for us, man. We're, I'm, I'm I'm believing God for us to grow, and for us to retain everybody that was left to us, and then also to grow on top of that for sure. That's uh that's a heavy, that's a heavy weight to carry for sure. I'm like, all right, God, you're gonna, I know God's gonna help us in things. But yeah, still like I don't want to mess this up. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I, yeah, if I can speak candidly, that's exactly what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't want to, you know do that but i know that's uh you know god is definitely involved and they're they're great people man they love god they love god's word and um and so that makes it a lot easier for sure yeah definitely so that's what we're in it's only been three months but we're um we're in it and this is the the third time that we've been out so uh third time's the charm is what they say (laughs) 
Well, that's hopefully. a scripture, I believe. Uh, somewhere in there. It's, uh, yeah, what is it? It's Ephesus chapter 17. Something. Something. <laughs> but yeah, so we're, we're having fun, man. Our church, our, uh, the kids love it. They're, they're, they're a big part of what we're doing too. So, uh, they keep us busy for sure. So that's well, Kyle. We've only been there for three months. So. So we got we to gotta say thank you. I think I already did, but I will again to Pastor uh, Jeremiah Wacker for the introduction because uh, he has really helped us to to get some guests, guests on the show that uh, I would probably never cross paths with uh, on my own. So uh, h- how long have you known uh, evangelist Jeremiah? Jeremiah Wacker, I've known him since he got saved in our in our. Uh, so he got saved outside of our fellowship and then came into our fellowship, I think, through Artie Aragon. And then his parents moved to Austin. Well, my dad was pioneering in Austin, I think, around 19. I want to say he got saved in 1995, six, seven, something like that. I can't remember. I don't know his testimony uh, too well. But the, the uh, listeners so, can go back and find the episode. I believe it was in October of last year. Unbelievable testimony. Definitely worth a re-listen. So uh, I'm putting definitely. the pieces together now. So you you are uh, you are Barry Parker's son. Is that correct? I am Barry Parker's son. Yes, I am. Yes, I okay. Am. Yeah. So you're, that's why you're I'm trying to grow this kid. little mustache right here. Yeah, I am a church kid. Yep. Yes, sir. Born and raised well, in the fellowship for sure. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a privilege to be a part of our fellowship and um, born in it, and I'll die in it. I'm sure, unless I'm raptured. So. But, yeah, well, I mean that that would be good too. Either um, or. <laughs> well, okay, so let let's go back and start at the place that you should start, which is at the beginning. And uh, tell us about you growing up. What was family life like in the Parker household, and yeah. uh, how how did you grow up? Um, so my parents they 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 met in the in the fellowship. My dad got he got saved in the army in El Paso under Paul Campo. Um, when Paul Campbell was in El Paso, uh, and he actually tells the story that he, somebody gave him a flyer on the door, uh, on his door from the door. And so they, they told him, Hey man. And he, he says that he was probably high or drunk or something. And so they give him this flyer and they tell him, Hey man, this is some music at the door. And so in his head, he thought, Oh, the doors are playing. Well, cool. I'm going to go. And so he goes and, uh, and he uh, goes, and of course, it's not the door, uh, but then, you know, a guy gets up and preaches preaches an altar call, and he gets saved, man. God touches him. He meets my mom shortly after. Um, I think he got saved, like, in the early 80s, uh, meets my mom within a year of being saved. They get married uh, within a year, and then he gets stationed uh, in San Antonio, um, and they have me. So that's, that's our connection with El Paso. And then we moved to San Antonio before uh, Richard Ruby was there. So pastor named uh, Richard Montes. Um, and so he was there in, in San, in San Antonio. Um, they do, they, they then get sent out uh, to Austin in 91. And that's when, that's when I really start to remember life at that point is, is 91. How old or not were you 91, at that time? But I was six, so I don't really, really remember it too much, but I remember our church being, Austin is a very, we got sent to Austin, and Austin is a very, um, it's a very liberal place. I don't know if you know Austin, Texas, but it doesn't belong in Texas. I don't know what happened there, but 
it's in the middle of it and it's you know it's a very the little blue island in a red sea right it is it is man and you can tell man the people are different and so uh we had our church in downtown austin off of uh off of guadalupe it's called the drag because there are uh people in drag and people homeless people and it's right by the college campus and so it was a very interesting place to put a church for sure um and Austin had had a, um, it had a, um, it had a reputation for not taking well to our fellowship, and and you know a lot of people were 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 not uh, too happy to go there, and so um, it being the place that that it that it is, I think my dad was perfect at the time because my dad's a very uh, uh, radical person. He, he was a very radical person. I would say he passed away in two thousand twelve, but. Um, and so he got here. I mean, he's he's like a bigger than life kind of guy. And so he gets here. And I think the first outreach he did is he got he found a documentary about AIDS and passes out flyers. <laughs> and and uh, and so we got all kinds of pushback, you know, and we purchased an altar call or whatever. And so I think that's what you needed at the time, though, because it was it was such a radical place. You kind of almost needed someone to match that that intensity. Um, and so people. Uh, I remember getting a lot of pushback, being a little kid, and and you know being like, oh man, there's there's uh, there's some drama brewing. We were getting like faxes from our house back in the day when you would have fax, uh, fax machines, and we had like death threat threats faxed to us. Uh, Gen Zers don't my, know what you're talking about. They have no idea what I'm talking about. It's like text message but hard copy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like we, you know, people sending us death, death threats. Uh, just saying we know where your kids go to school and they would show up to church early and put super glue in the in the in the door lock inside the keyhole so we couldn't get in so then you know for sunday morning service we had to call a locksmith and you know whatever and so that happened a couple times and it was a it was a very radical time for sure and they uh you know i was i was too young to know all that was happening but i knew that that we we struggled for a, a good good five years and they had even thought about going back uh, to the mother church, Um, but they stuck it out. And thank God they stuck it out because uh, Austin saw a great, great revival uh, starting around 19, I would say the the later 90s and and 2000. And, you know, and so if there is a struggling pioneer pastor that's listening, I mean, I'm sure there's not. Nobody struggles. No, of course. No, 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 of course not for sure. But if you are out there and you're listening to this, you know, um, uh, hang in there, man, because God, you know, don't, don't grow weary and well-doing, you know, in due season, you'll bear fruit for sure. Uh, but that was my, I mean, that was, that's, that's as far back as I can remember is cleaning, cleaning metal chairs with Windex and, and, uh, hot dog outreaches and, you know, movies in the park and things like that. And, uh, so you, your firstborn son of the pastor, which means you're, you're the number one disciple in a pioneer setting. How, how many ministries did you have? Oh man, I, I you know I got sat down from a couple of ministries just because I was irresponsible when I was ten. <laughs> Imagine that being ten and irresponsible. But no. uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know you're 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 helping everywhere that you can, um, for sure. Uh, again, I was still kind of young though. I was like eight, nine, ten when that was all happening. You know, um, and um, yeah, just being a church kid growing up in in church and. Um, it's different for church kids for sure. It's not, 
if a church kid does get saved, it's it's not a like a radical conversion for sure because you're not in radical sin and there's no there's no things you know there's no drugs that you stop doing and you know there's not a like a a gross lifestyle and then you automatically get saved. You're you're already doing the things that everybody else in the church is doing. You just haven't met God yet for yourself. And that was uh that was that's that seems to be a slower at least in my my in my in my um in my experience it was a slower process i do remember that i on a real to real remember i remember that in like in the early early 90s yeah i want to say that that was still a thing you would go to the christian bookstore and you would rent this huge plastic you know thin box and inside of it was a was a reel and there was a christian movie and then you know you would you were playing it on a projector, you know, and that's how we showed it. And so, uh, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about fax machines and projectors and the Gen uh, Zers are just going to skip to the next episode at this point. They're going to be like, what the heck is this archaic stuff? Uh, <laughs> and so, but yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was my, my childhood man, just living that way. And they, we saw a, a big revival in 2000, a lot of younger people getting saved. They were still older than I was, because uh, I was about 15 in 2000, in 2000, um, but um, uh, we saw, I think in, I think it was in 2000 where uh, the New Year's Eve bash that we would have, uh, a guy in the church that had backslid and, and got into a terrible wreck, almost died, came back and brought, uh, didn't die and, and came back to church and brought a bunch of friends, and so like, 20 people got saved in one service. That's, and I'm not exaggerating. It was literally like 20 people. And so we saw this huge influx of people in the Austin church. Um, and so that's when I was around 15, when, when the lights really started turning on for me. So it was kind of like a perfect moment uh, for me too, because I was seeing people get saved and they were more my age. And uh, so I was just this church kid that was like hanging out with, you know, ex drug addicts and, 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 and thinking people like that, you know? And so, um, but again, it was still kind of a slower process, but I got saved when I was 16. Um, some of it was because of boot camp. Um, boot camp was the first time that I was able to be away from my parents and there's preaching that was geared toward, toward teenagers. And so, um, I remember starting to get serious with God and, and really wanting to, to, to find out who God is truly and to have a relationship with him. And then also at a Jerry Fussell revival. I don't know if you know who Jerry Fussell is. I'm sure everybody in the fellowship knows who he is. But he was just in town this last oh, week. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So, so you know that uh, to a church kid, Jerry Fussell can be scary, especially when he's giving words out and stuff <laughs> like that. And so that's what I was doing. And I was in, I was, I was in church, and uh, and it's harder again for church kids just because you're not, you haven't experienced God the way other people in church have. Uh, and so you, you, you end up, I don't want to yeah, you end up pretending to be like everybody else because you want to fit in. Um, but you haven't had the, you haven't had the conversion that everybody else has had. And then you go to school and you don't fit in there either because you know, the, you know, the truth and you know what I mean? And you're, so it's almost kind of, you don't belong anywhere. And so you become real good at, at just pretending and playing, uh, and not even knowing it, you know, I wasn't like I was in my head, I was saying, I'm going to pretend to be, you know, be a chameleon everywhere that I, I go. Uh, it was just, it just, it was like the nature of the spot that I was in. 
but I went to a, we went to Jerry Fosswood came to town and I remember one service where he was giving out words and I just couldn't handle it, man. I was so, I wasn't in like crazy, you know, sin. I wasn't like shooting up heroin or anything, but I just wasn't, it wasn't real. And so, man, the conviction of God was so thick. I had to like get up. I got up out of the service. I must've been 15 or 16. And I walked outside uh, to the parking lot and I sat down on the, on, you know, on the, on the asphalt behind a car. And I was just so tired. I was like, God, I'm tired of being, uh, of always pretending in this like revolutionary idea came to my, popped to my head, you know, popped in my head. And of course it was the Holy Spirit. And just, I just thought, what if I did it for real? What if it was a real thing that I was doing? And I, I honestly and earnestly tried to seek God. And, you know, God, God rewards those who seek him, you know, earnestly. And so I remember just, that was a moment for me, for sure. Uh, one of the, one of the many moments, but one of the, the biggest moments for sure is just getting real with God and say, God, I'm tired of just pretending everywhere I go. And I want to, I want to be real with you. And I really just sought after God's mercy and God's grace. And I, and I, and I felt like that prayer. Uh, during that revival, I wasn't even in the revival. In fact, I left the revival service, but God still, you know, he, he goes after the the one, the, the, the one sheet that's lost. You know, and I, God I, is not I, confined I, to the revival service. Uh, he's not. He's definitely not for sure. And so uh, it helped for sure, because I was terrified, you know, as he's giving uh, words out. And I was like, man, I'm going to get found out. I'm not, you know, and so but at that point, that coupled with with boot camp, God really begin to uh begin to to make himself real to me and I got I started moving in the right direction, you know, and something truly did happen to me to where I wasn't having to pretend. It just naturally came out, you know, me desiring to to read God's word and me desiring to pray and to um uh, uh to was excited about the things of God and excited to serve in the church and be in ministry and and hang out with with people that were uh, so, you know, a, a lot of a lot of people started getting saved around that time. And so I was hanging out at the men's home. I was only 16, 15, 16, something like that. So I was hanging out with 20 year olds. And I mean, these are guys that are like fresh off of drugs and, you know, from that lifestyle. And I'm hanging out with them. And, and it's it's a great it was a great thing because it was when I first got saved. And it was a, it was healthy for me. And so actually one of the guys, Philip, uh, that's still saved today that got saved around that time. He was like, dude, why would your dad let you come with me? Because, you know you were like this innocent church kid. And here I am, this guy that's like, you know, if you, if I were to give you all the details, you, you know, it almost, and your dad knew all the details, but yet he was still like, yeah, take Adam with you. And then we would go street preaching and uh, just fellowshipping at the men's home and uh, playing cards and being on outreaches. And from, from Friday night of Bible study, Saturday outreach. And then Sunday I was there at the men's home, just hanging out, you know? And I think that was so healthy for me, man, to be around, of course, again, they were all older than me, but um, it was so healthy for me to be around people that were excited to be saved, you know, and so that it kind of opened up my eyes for sure. Opened oh, that's great. To, yeah, it's yeah. it's funny, too, because um, the last uh, Testimony Tuesday that we recorded was Pastor Mike Major, and he's in he's in Florida and St. <laughs> Petersburg. <laughs> and yeah, so he's got that kind of a, you know totally lost in sin, addicted to drugs, you know, was ran away from home and at a, as a teenager and got radically wildly saved as a night, uh, I think he said a 20 year old and just, so 
what what I love about this is to have these two stories back to back is a great you know contrast because the salvation that he experienced um, is is not better than the salvation that you experienced, but obviously God saved you from different things. But at the at the end of the day, both of you needed to be saved, and uh, and so it, it's interesting that that God brought in those people at exactly the right time, that that yeah. you were able to kind of you know connect to them and uh and kind of live through their experiences and and uh and kind of get to that next level spiritually um I, i'm curious for for any of those other church kids or pastors kids out there that might be hearing this like can you can you identify like maybe one or two of the things that really you struggled with and maybe that that held you back from really giving it all to god yeah definitely um my relationship with God, um, when I was younger, there was always moments where uh, an evangelist would come or, or a sermon. Most of the time I was, I was turned off and I was, you know, thinking about other things or whatever. Um, but, you know, the, I was always really curious about what, what God sounded like, you know, because, I mean, you hear people talk, you know, they give words and they're reading people's mail, man, you know. And so I'm like, dude, this guy, he hears from God. That means God in heaven is sitting on his throne and he's speaking to this man, you know? And so I always, that was always something that always fascinated me. I was like, dude, if, if I can hear God, then I, I want to hear him. You know, if he speaks then I want to, I want to hear him. And if I want to, if he allows us to have a relationship with him, then I want to talk to him, you know? And so that was also a big, a big thing that helped me through high school, um, you know, and all the things that a, that a young you know, that a young man would be dealing with in high school, um, wanting to be you know in the in uh, accepted from the world, and then and then and then lust, and you know, uh, just the whole issue of of school, and even now today, it's got to be ten times worse. You know that what's happening, what what kids are dealing with, but you know, God, you know, was the the scripture says, you know, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, and so. I, that the same God that saved me and got me through those moments uh, of just my just my, like getting in the closet. I remember coming home and just really, really seeking God and saying, "God, if you if you speak, I want to hear from you." And I, I I earnestly desire to hear from like hear from your lips to my ears. I want I want to hear how you speak and and how it sounds and and, and have a relationship with you and be intimate with you. And so, I mean, there was times where I, I remember getting home and just being excited to go into my prayer closet and talk to God and tell him things that I was struggling with and wrestling with. And so, you know, as a, as a, as a pastor's kid, for sure, the, you're under the microscope, you know what I mean? And so you're, that's one thing that's, that's rough. And if you're a church kid, it's the same thing that, you know, you, you, you supposedly know, you know, you know, why would you do that? You know, you know, you know, we've taught you. But you really don't know. You're, you're just, you're just, you know, you're, you're you can be a, an airhead sometimes, and so uh, it's like you know because somebody else told you, but you don't know it for yourself. Exactly, exactly. And so you know, but it's not information that's it's in your head, but it's not in your heart for sure. Um, and so, uh, yeah, man. Just if if there are kids that are listening to this, man, uh, my relationship with God. Uh, was very very critical at that time. It's probably one of the best best times of my life, 
besides other times for sure, but definitely in my early years, man, just getting to know God and having a relationship with him and reading his word. I mean, it was, it was truly something that I, that I, I look back on and, and it was, um, you know, God's, God's so good and he's, and he's kind. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're a church kid. You're under the, you're under the, the microscope. And so you're, you want to hide things, you know what I mean? You want people to see the best of you. And so that's a thing that, 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 uh, it's like Adam and Eve, man. And like my name, Adam, you know what I mean? I was hiding, you know, and so I didn't want, I didn't want my, I wanted my parents to be, I didn't want my, you know, my, my parents to be upset with me, you know, and I don't want them to, I wanted them to think that I was doing well. And so there was a lot of things that I did, I did keep from them, you know, and so that is probably a lot of things that, uh, that younger church kids or, or pastor's kids is that, uh, man, God is, God is good. And he's, uh, in, in your relationship with him, uh, it smooths out a lot of rough transitions when you're, when you're younger and you can talk to him and, and he talks back, he does. And he, uh, and that's, uh, one of my, my saving graces for sure, man, is just getting to know God and have a relationship with him. Um, but, yeah, it's it's different, man. With church kids, it's 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 not easy for sure. It's a it's a longer, uh, it's a longer process, but it's 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 very real for sure. Um, and that's the God that we serve is that He can save someone who is, you know, doing the hardest of drugs and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and then still a person who is in church, but they're there because someone's making them go, uh, and there's no no spiritual life in them at all. And God breathes life into to both of them, you know, and that's a uh, Thank God. He's a God that can do it all. And, you know, and so, uh, of course my testimony isn't as cool as Roman Gutierrez or anything, but you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it truly is. And not everybody is Roman you're, Gutierrez. You're going so. to the same heaven. I am. Yes, I am. Amen. I am. So, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, it is cool. So now I, I'm curious about this as you were talking about having, you know, your dad as the pastor and, and seeing some breakthrough revival. And then you, you kind of got saved in that. And, um, you know, this, this is the desire of speaking as a pastor, but this is true, no doubt of any person who's serious about serving God who has kids in the church. You know, our desire is that our kids would serve the Lord. Right. And, if, if not become pastors or pastor's wives, at, at least to, you know, to serve God in whatever capacity God would call them to. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your relationship with your dad and what kind of influence that that had on your relationship with God, if there is a connection there. And then also, I'm curious about how you are now taking that because you said you have teenagers in the house currently, and how that has translated into you know, how, how are you leading your kids into that same relationship with God that you found at that age? Well, I was not prepared for these, this caliber of questions, these caliber of questions. So I, I mean, you know, um, yeah, you know, my, my, um, relationship with my dad was, 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 was good for sure. He was, uh, uh, a very radical man. And so, it was a, you know, we had, uh, there, there were moments where, I, you know, I, I didn't want to talk to him about things for sure. Honestly, I thought my parents were perfect. And so I didn't think that they sinned, you know what I mean? And so I came into this exact same scenario with my son. So we were having a, a, a conversation with my son, with my son one night. And he said the exact same thing. He was like, 
wait a minute, you sin? And so he was like flabbergasted. He's like, I thought you were perfect. And so he was wanting to withhold things from me that I could help him and give, give him advice about because I thought he, because he thought that I was, that I was perfect. And so, I mean, it was a huge revelation for him and just being vulnerable to him and, and, um, you know, it's, it's definitely not the easiest, easiest thing to show that side to your kids, but I've found it, Becca and I, uh, have found it to be something that is very, very useful, especially with our children, because they see the struggle and then they see God come through. And they see that serving God is a very real thing and that you can serve God through anything, you know, and that there's nothing worth walking away for. And, and it's not this thing where I'm not on their level. I can never be on their level. And so why am I even going to try that? And that's a, that's a real thing that, that, that uh, pastor's kids and church kids that they, that they encounter is that, you know, they see Christian people living the Christian life. But what they don't understand is one, one, they're not perfect. And two, uh, you know, those, those kids haven't been filled with the Holy spirit yet. They haven't, there's not something that, uh, that God is, God hasn't regenerated them. And so there's, that's the thing that they're not, they're not understanding. And so I've had lots of conversations with my son, uh, uh, between my dad and I, you know, uh, he gave me all the good examples that, that you, that he could, um, he had a very tumultuous relationship with his dad. Um, and so it was really hard for him to get, uh, uh, real, um, not real. I, I want to be careful here, but, um, to have, to show intimacy w- between a father and a son, it was, it was, I could tell it was hard for him because, um, I, I can only deduce it was probably because of his relationship with his dad. His dad was a very abusive, uh, abusive father. So, he did the best that he could for sure. And, and, uh, I, man, I, my dad is, uh, is my hero for sure. The things that he's done and the stories that I tell about him are, um, I'm proud. I'm proud of, uh, coming from his, his, uh, his lineage. And, uh, I can only hope that I do half the things that he's done. Um, and so, but yeah, man, just, just, um, that's, that's, that's been something that's been really, really helpful for my son. And, and my son is, uh, I believe he's truly saved. We've had some really deep conversations and I've, I've been able to be vulnerable with him so that he can see this is how serving God is. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not this for church kids. They see people and they're like, you know, they, I mean, they're, you know, you guys are perfect and you guys, and I can't be perfect. So why am I even trying? You know what I mean? Um, and so that's, um, that's really, really helped. And, and just living for God at home too, man, is, is, is huge. You know, um, being real with your kids, letting them see the struggle, but then also the, the resolution of God coming coming in and and saving the day, and just um, uh, you know, uh, teaching your kids. You know, um, when you stand up and you sit down, like the like the scripture says, constantly speaking with them about spiritual things. And uh, my wife has been a big pro- a proponent of that, and she's won me over on it for sure too. And so, it, it, and it, it, they both seem to have a genuine uh, relationship with God, my kids. And that's if that's all I get, praise God, man. My kids are, are saved, and they love God, and uh, I, everything else is a cherry on top for sure. It definitely yeah. helped helped for me to know where church kids come from, and then to have one, and then to be like, okay, these were the pitfalls that I fell into, and I, I hid things. And I, 
I was I was closed off and I wasn't I wasn't allowing people to come in and see things and because I thought everybody else was perfect and you know and so you know it's um uh, it, it's helped out a, a lot for sure with with my kids and and I hope that um that it continues you know on down the line um but yeah hopefully I answered your question you did you did well I I picked up a couple of uh, good pointers there which is um Make sure that you are genuine. That is like so critical that you're not putting on a front. I mean, you talked about how church kids tend to do that. They tend to, because of the expectancy that's on them, you know, they tend to fall into that rut of, I just got to put on a show. And if that, if that continues without, you know, a true touch from God, that can turn into uh, becoming a Pharisee, right? And, and putting on a show Definitely. and hypocrisy and it yeah. ends up, it ends up with people who actually despise when God actually moves. Cause that's, that's, that's what the Pharisees became. Jesus showed up in front of them. They hated him. They wanted to destroy him. And you see people like that, you know, who they, when they're pretending their whole life, it's like when the real thing shows up, they, they just want to destroy it. And so that genuineness is such a, such a critical part of, you know, realizing that we're all sinners in need of grace, even pastors, even pastors, wives, even people who are, you know, in church and going to church every week or every, even every day. It's like, man, we, we still need Jesus every day. And yeah. to, to let people see that is really, really important. And, and the power of example, obviously all of those things is, is so critical. And, um, we just posted a, a message that I preached on the podcast uh, it was kind of a blast from the past, but one that brought back some memories. It was, um, I preached a message about how, how easy it is to fall into this pattern of, uh, it's kind of the same thought, you know, you go to church and you, you have one image for everybody there in the congregation, and then you go home and your life is, doesn't reflect that same idea. And it's like, yeah. is your Christianity, is your relationship with God so real that it's also evident in your home, like with the people that you spend all your time with. And I, and the reason I preach that is because I've run across people who are not Christians in their home. Like they're Christians at church, they're Christian when they go on outreach, but, but then, you know, they have a fight with their wife and all of a sudden, you know, the curse words start flying and, and, and then the pots and pans start flying. And, <laughs> and it's like, man, yeah, I thought, I thought Christians I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I think it's even I think it's even more I think it's, um, I think I think it also has to do with like the lack of Jesus coursing through at home, like like you know Jesus talks about abiding in the vine. Well, that's easy to say when you're at church and when you're doing those things, but like even at home where there's like a steady flow of Jesus just being a part of everything that you do, and they they see that at home and they see. They see that that your parent, you, you know, they, they see their parents go through struggles, and then they see their, you know, you may see they may even see their parents fight. And uh, I remember during the hard times in Austin, I remember my parents like, like, you know, not crazy fighting, but they were like, you know, arguing like a regular couple does, because times were stressful and times were, I mean, people are sending us death threats, you know what I mean? And so we're like, well, should we be here? You know, our family is, you know. So I remember there being like tumultuous times, and I remember they would get together and pray and. And, uh, and then I would see, they would see, you know, a full circle of, of God's faithfulness. And I, I can't tell you how, how many times I, I look back, even as an adult now, and I'm not even doing it on purpose, but I look back 
for a reference. I'm like, well, what did they do? Oh yeah, that's right. They did do that. And, and, and I may not even like, be, it may not even be on the forefront of my mind, but it's all that I know to do. And so in the moment that I'm, that I'm experiencing the same things that they've experienced, it's almost like a, the pattern has been set. And so then I'm like, okay, well, they, that's right. They got together and they prayed and then they got through it. And then, uh, you know, and then they saw, they went through some more stuff, but it's okay. It's not the end of the world, you know? And, and then they would, you know, and so I think that's so important, especially for church kids to see Jesus being a part of all, all, all of your life, whether you're at, at church or at home. Um, it's so important. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not just something that we talk about at church. Uh, Becca and I, um, I, I thank God that my wife has a love for, for God's word. We're constantly talking about stuff and it's, and we're not a bunch of nerds, but God, God comes up often because we're, we're open and with our children and we're saying, this is what's going on. And, and we're not gossiping about anything, but just things that we deal with in our own home. And then, you know, scripture comes out because that's what our lives are, are built on God's, God's word. And then, um, um, and it's, it seems to be very effective with, with, with our children for sure. And, uh, with, with me. And so just that, that, uh, that, that vulnerability for sure, man, like, Hey man, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not Superman. Um, you know, and, and mom's not Superwoman or, or whoever you want her to be Wonder Woman or whatever, but you know what I mean? We're just real people that, that have tough times sometimes. And then God comes through and to see that is something that's, uh, that's, that's remarkable, you know, especially for your, for your children. And so for them to see that in real time. And so, uh, you know, that's, that's, um, that's a that's a very very real thing to get people to try to be talking about God even at home, you know, for Him to be coursing through their their life everywhere, you know. Um, otherwise, it does become like hypocrisy, and I've I've lived that life. I think everybody's lived a little bit of that life, a little bit, you know what I mean. And so we all kind of understand that a little bit for sure. Yeah, the gravity of uh, is always pulling us back down to that, and we we've got to continually break out of of that orbit so that we can. Stay close to God. Um, yeah. uh, just curious, do you, do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I do have brothers and sisters. Yeah, I have, I have, I'm not sisters. I have one brother and one sister. Uh, they are uh, my sister. So I'm the oldest. My sister is uh, currently, she's not saved. Uh, pray for her. Her name is Monique, uh, Monique Chavez. And my brother is, uh, he's been on a long journey. So uh, my dad passed away in, in 2012. Uh, and it was kind of a sudden thing. Um, and so that kind of rocked their world a little bit. Um, but um, it's not over till the fat lady sings. And so, um, or until the trumpet, the trumpet sounds, I mean, it's more biblical. Uh, or until but, the fat lady plays the trumpet. Or the fat lady plays the trumpet. And so, uh, yeah, they're, uh, but my brother is, is he's still soft toward toward the gospel. And, um, um, and so, yeah, his name is Zach. And so if anybody's listening, they want to pray for him. That'd be awesome. Monique and Zach for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, um, uh, that's the thing. Wow. So yeah, that's, I'm sure there's more to be said about that, but going back to your story, um, so you were 16 ish when you kind of yes. took the, the, the route of being more serious with God and serving mm-hmm. him and hanging out with people that were getting radically saved. And so um, what kind of effect did that have on you and where did you go from there? 
Uh, yeah, it had a really good effect. Um, it was it was very very healthy for me to be around people that were filled with the Holy Spirit, and that were asking questions, and they were asking the right questions. Um, so then I started thinking about the right things also. Um, and so that I can't I can't um, I can't say enough about how how important that was because I, I imagine if I was 16 years old and I was around people that weren't so excited about the things of God and weren't uh, asking those right questions. And so in it, you know, everything that the church was doing, they were in it. So, because they were excited about it, I was, I was excited about it, you know? So I can imagine if there weren't, if there weren't people like that at that time, you know, I could, I could very easily say that, that uh, maybe my life would have went into a different direction for sure, but it didn't. And, and so um, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that for sure. And so, you know, um, so I got saved when I was 16 um serving god just being in in, in everything that i could be uh, involved in um graduated started working for a guy in our church uh doing electrical work um learning how to how to shock myself and uh, and not blow things up um but uh, that was a really i'm grateful for people in the house of god that uh that still hire other people in the house of god <laughs> so you know they had a lot of patience with me for sure. But so, yeah, I started working there and then, um, uh, I met my wife at, uh, a San Antonio conference, um, in 2000, either five or six, the conference. Um, and, uh, she was there with her cousin and, uh, they were there to hear God's word, but she found a husband. And I was there to find a wife, and I found a wife. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but no, we were introduced to each other, and that was another prayer for me. When you when you grow up in the, in the church, you have a lot of people that are trying to play matchmaker, right? Hey, man, you should do this part. And so, honestly, I came to a point where I was I was a little tired of all that, you know, those meet and greets and stuff. And so, I remember just being honest with God and saying, God, I don't want to meet anybody. I, I want you to to drop somebody in front of me, um, and I, I, I'm truly, really asking that that you bring somebody in my direction. I don't want to pick the wrong person. I heard so many times, you know, people saying, "Man, make sure God is involved in in who you married." It's probably you know second from getting saved. It's one of the most important decisions that you're going to make. And so I knew that, and I saw it played out in in church too. I saw people, some people get saved, and they just flourished after. And then I saw other people get saved and they just like, I mean, it was almost like a buzzkill, you know, like it's like that other person just drug them down, you know. And so I, I saw it played out in real life. And so I, I really begin to seek God and say, God, I need you. I really need you to bring somebody to me. You know who the person is, is perfect for me. And I get people have a lot of different ideas on, on marriage and things like that. But I truly was seeking God for somebody that was that God saw fit for me. And my wife is. Uh, I mean, either I'm the most luckiest person on the planet or God truly was involved uh, in bringing uh, bringing my wife, you know, to me or whatever. And so we met at the San Antonio conference. We met Monday night. We hung out almost every break. Um, so someone did introduce us. Um, and but this turned out to be a good one. Um, and so the, we had a, we had a conversation at Luby's. I still remember it like it was yesterday. We were at Luby's. And the first thing I ever said to her. So romantic. Was, 
Oh, dude, Ruby's is, I mean, the vibes, man, the romantic vibes are just, I mean, they're, it's a, it is a place to, to, to meet your wife for sure. The very first thing I said to her was, can you pass me the sweet and low? And so, uh, <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, so I'm, I was spitting my game for sure. Suave, um, very, yeah, yeah very, player. very suave. Yeah, she just melted after I said that. She was like, oh, sweet and low. And she said, you know, that causes <laughs> cancer, right? And I was like, oh, whatever, everything. Anyways, but uh, yeah, so we started talking, man, and uh, we talked for about an hour. Uh, um, and I, I just got the sense, like, man, this girl's really saved. She loves God. She wants to do something for God. Let's do this, you know. And so, I talked to her dad on uh, on what a church was night. she from? So she was in the Prescott Church at the time. Um, oh, Pastor yeah. Mitchell doesn't like people like you. Man, I, I, I have some stories on that. I got a good one. And it's so we start talking. I'll I'll head that direction for sure. We start talking, you know, whatever, and it's a long distance distance relationship. Um, um and so I go to visit her uh I, I visit her a couple times and so he knew about this happening. And so I was in the service, one of the services, and he was there. Um and I'm terrified of Pastor Mitchell. You know what I mean? Like this is a, you know, I'm in the fellowship, but he's like a, you know, he's a celebrity almost kind of thing, you know. And so he's behind the pulpit. And, you know, the Prescott Church is, is pretty large. You know, there's like, I don't know, at the time, there's probably 600 people there. I mean, maybe more. I don't even know. I wasn't looking. But Sunday morning, I'm there, and uh, people know that I'm dating her or whatever. And uh, uh, and uh, he says, all right, uh, you younger guys need to start getting your act together because the uh, men from the tribe, of ben- the tribe of Benjamin are coming in and stealing our women. <laughs> and so the moment he said that, I was like, about me you know what i mean so then everybody's looking in my direction and i'm like dude you gotta be kidding me man like you know like you know i'm expecting people to start tackling me and throw me outside you know whatever i'm like you gotta be joking man like this is not what i was intending at all but you know uh so uh but yeah we we uh i drove down there um after six months of uh of of dating online which or not online sorry over the phone because there wasn't internet at all don't you have have to be specific about that because people will use that commercial break short commercial break pastor adam parker told me it was okay Uh, oh gosh you have to edit that out buddy (laughs) that's terrible uh so about six six or seven months of us uh talking on the phone and like dating whatever that means um I, i flew down there to go uh to go uh uh propose to her she picks me up from the airport. We're getting on to the highway. And uh, I said something to her and she looked over for a second. And as we're getting onto the on-ramp, she almost hits those, uh, those plastic, uh, the plastic pylons, the ones you can push over and they come right back. Uh, so she almost hits it. And then she overcorrects and yanks the car to the right. And then there's like a, a cement wall on that side. So then she almost hits that and then overcorrects again. And then the car was totally, out of control and her foot was on the gas the entire time but her hands were in the air and so it was yeah it was chaos i still remind her of it still today uh and so the car is spinning out of control we're going onto the highway uh and so keep in mind i'm i'm there to propose to her you know what i mean and so (laughs) it's craziness man we're so we're getting on the highway the car is like flipping around and her foot her foot she thought it was on the on the brake but it was on the gas and so the steering wheel is like jerking back and forth. 
and then we clear the middle median between the northbound and southbound highway and we start we land into the the other side of the highway to oncoming traffic and this car is still doing this squirrely thing and uh, we're headed straight for this uh this suburban i used to have nightmares of the suburban and so if i wasn't wearing my seatbelt, i just got on the car it was a terrible thing uh and so i'm putting my my hand on the dashboard and I was like, no, 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 no. And so, the, I mean, it's it's complete chaos for sure. I yanked the wheel. I leaned over. I was on the passenger side. I yanked the wheel, and we land on the shoulder of the other side of the highway. Uh, you know, nose nose dive into it, and we're like just freaking out, like, what the heck just happened? Um, cops get there, you know. And so we're dating, and I, I we we chose not to to hold hands or or kiss or or hug or anything. And so I'm trying to comfort her without touching her. I'm like, it's going to be okay. You know, I'm like, but I'm like, <laughs> it's a very awkward thing to be a part of for sure. Uh, and luckily a lady from the church pulled, she saw it, she pulled over and was there to, uh, to console her. Cause I felt very, very awkward. I was like, if I, I know myself, man, if I, uh, you know, if I touch her just once on the shoulder or something like someone from the pastor Mitchell will be driving by. God, I <laughs> so I was like, dude, I can't. You know, and so luckily she pulled over and uh, uh, a guy was standing right next to me, uh, this short red hair guy. He was standing. He just like was a lot of cars had pulled over. He was like, where did y'all come from? I said, we came from over there. And he's like, dude, God was looking out for you because you just it was this crazy, you know, this crazy trip. Um, at that point, I was thinking maybe I shouldn't propose to her. Maybe I should, you know, maybe I should uh, think about this, you know, and so. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was just afraid or whatever. And so, you know, uh, her dad was talking to me a bit and he was like, man, you know, you guys are good for each other. So you need to propose to her. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to propose to her. And so I proposed to her and we got married uh, in October. Uh, How old were you? 21. I was 21. Um, and uh, we came back and we were immediately direct uh, door directors. And so life just was, you know, full speed ahead after that for sure and you never let yeah. her drive again i never let her drive again and i can win every <laughs> argument that we ever get into because i just bring up well yeah well you almost killed us before we know <laughs> i'm joking uh but um yeah man so we we uh we were door directors uh for a couple years in the, uh, the austin church had our first kid um, and then we got sent out in 2007. Okay. Uh, well, I got a question for you. Did you yeah. know, like, at what point did you know that you were going to pursue the pastoral calling? Like, because that's not the only thing that people do in life. But when did that become clear to you? Um, there was uh, a couple of different uh times one was at a tucson conference uh when i was 17 uh either 17 or 18 i must have been 17 at a tucson conference pastor warren was preaching and uh i just i i, I felt god's spirit very very heavy um and he was making a call for for people that wanted to either be missionaries or whatever and he was speaking to young people and normally that doesn't really happen at at a conference man but i just i felt it heavy you know and so God had always planted seeds uh, to head in, into that direction. And then also boot camp, you know, boot camp really uh, sermons that Pastor Ruby preached, um, uh, you know, um, 
and there's so many younger young kids there and he's preaching toward them and, and also preaching you know the call preaching jesus calling us into the ministry jesus calling us to follow him and when god is calling you man there's just no there's no you know there's no uh there's no ignoring it i mean you can't ignore it but it's i mean he's you know he he has a still small voice but it is incredibly loud definitely sometimes and that was definitely just those couple times boot camp and tucson conference where god really began to just pin me up at the wall and just pin me up against the wall and and and, and wasn't something necessary that I wanted to do. It was just something that I felt God pushing me in that direction for sure. So uh, I kind of settled that early, you know, that that was the direction I was going to head into. Um, but yeah, I mean, God is, God is good to make it clear. You know, uh, I think, I think most people, most people have a, a good understanding that I mean, God's calling me, you know, and so it's not the clearest, uh, always in the sense of god is not it's not a vocal voice from heaven saying you're called to preach but you feel it in your spirit and you know god god fills us with his spirit and he bears witness with our you know his spirit in us and so that's how he communicates with us and that's uh that's the thing and i i can i could i couldn't even articulate that when i was that age but i i, I sent i sensed it you know for lack of a better word but my spirit bore witness for what he was saying and uh and i felt god you know just just calling me in, in, in that sense and so uh, nothing too dramatic like paul falling off the horse or anything like that but um but uh, god is very effective you know when he calls you for sure awesome well we still have uh m many questions to answer here we're gonna we're gonna talk about your experience in ministry and uh and where God has taken you. And uh, I've got some questions about Pastor Mitchell and your, your journey uh, through the fellowship. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to say goodbye to our free listeners. And so if you want to hear the rest of this conversation, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We're going to take a quick break. And after this, uh, our premium subscribers are going to hear the rest. So we'll be right back. <laughs> 